Hey, good morning once again. Welcome to FBC. We are so glad that you are here. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors, and we just want to welcome you. We're thrilled that you are with us, especially if you're new. A special welcome to you because we know it's not easy being in a new place. Uh, so we're glad that you are with us. And today we're going to continue. Actually, we're going to land the plane, people. We're landing the plane on our Love Your Church sermon series where we spent six weeks uh, reading a book of that title, Love Your Church, and talking about the joy and the privilege and the responsibility of being a part of a local church. And for three weeks now, this is the third week, uh, we've been talking specifically about local church membership and why we believe it's so important to belong to a local church, to live out your faith in the context of community. And so this is week three of the membership piece we're landing the plane. And again, in the future, when someone comes to the church and new people come here, there's going to be a membership class, like a three-week deal like this that we'll do over lunch or over dinner. So going forward a few times a year, we'll offer that. But you guys are the lucky ones because you don't have to do that because you've been here the past few weeks. So you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, so we're talking about it now. We've designed, again, these three weeks to be a, a membership class. So that's why it's looked and felt a little bit different. Today is going to look and feel a little bit different from what it normally does. Um, but it's just a chance for us to, either for the first time or if we've been here forever, to reaffirm our commitment to what God is doing here. If you're new here, if you're a guest with us, uh, welcome. And again, there's not going to be any weird pressure or we're not going to make you stand up or give you a microphone or put you on the spot or forcefully, you know, do some strange tribal initiation to you. Um, we're just glad you're here and it's a chance for you to sit back truly and listen in on what we believe God is doing here. So reminder, this is week three. So if you missed week one or week two or both, please uh, go back and listen to the content. It's really important that you uh, hear and go through all three weeks. And so on our website, the full teaching from the past couple weeks are there. Week one was why membership? Like, why are we even doing this? Week two was a bit of who we are, our history, our vision as a church. And then this morning is week three, where we're going to talk about what we believe. And look at our statement of faith and some other things. Um, Pastor John Mark Comer has said this, we become like the relationships we cultivate and the culture to which we belong. And we become like the relationships we cultivate and the culture to which we belong. In other words, the people we're around and the communities to which we belong are going to shape us for good or for ill. They're going to determine who we become. And so if we're talking about church membership, we're going to be spending a lot of time together as a church family. It's, it's important that you know, right, who we are and what we believe. What's the culture and the belief system here in this place? So that's what we're going to be unpacking. We'll start with some uh, couple details that are helpful to know. First, our affiliation. Uh, some of you know this, uh, some of you, this will be new, we're a part of an organization called Growing Healthy Churches, or GHC, if you hear the GHC, that's what that means, Growing Healthy Churches, it's really a verb, but it's used here as a noun, as an organization, um, it, it's an association of like-minded churches, mostly in California, that partner together in ministry um, to advance the kingdom of God. So we're part of the American Baptist movement, historically, 
Um, although, again, our region changed their name to American Baptist Churches of the West, and then from that to GHC, Growing Healthy Churches, years ago before my time here. So, again, that's the network that we're a part of. You should know it's a voluntary association, meaning um, they can't come in here with authority and say, hey, do this or don't do this or we're going to change this. Um, they are, we voluntarily choose to partner with them because we think it's wise to be in fellowship with other like-minded churches. Uh, they have great resources and training and encouragement for pastors. We think it's good to be a part of a, a movement that's bigger than just this local church. And actually, next week, you're going to meet one of the key leaders in GHC. His name is Gilbert Foster. He's from Scotland, so he's going to be really fun to listen to. He's preaching here next week. Some of you might remember Gilbert from years past. Uh, others, you'll meet him for the first time. And actually, uh, we just scheduled him months ago. Uh, he you know, floats around sometimes and guest preaches, and so we scheduled him to guest preach. I didn't realize it would, it would be tied in with this so closely, but so it's not connected to membership, really. He's just going to be here next week, and, and that'll be uh, fun. But when you see him next week, you can say, hey, Gilbert, I, we just talked about GHC. I know what GHC is about. And so rather than like, he'll say, I'm from GHC, and you'll be like, what? Now, now you know. Okay. Uh, now... We do need to talk about the B word. <laughs> What's a Baptist? What are those Baptists all about? Anyways, we are FBC, First Baptist Church. Um, that's what it stands for. Anyone, is that news to anyone? You're like, that's what the B in FBC stands for? You've been hiding it all this time, FBC. Um, no, we're, um, yeah, First Baptist Church. We, I tried to find some good jokes online about us Baptists, and they all were related either to casseroles or alcohol. And so we have a strange reputation out there in the world. There are a number of different strands of Baptist, right? So um, that gets a little bit complicated. And no doubt there's some cultural baggage here. Let's just be honest with the term Baptist. Um, for some of us, hey, it's neutral. doesn't really mean much of anything. Or it's positive. Maybe you grew up in a Baptist church and loved it. And you looked for the first Baptist church you could find when you came to town. And that's why you're here. Great. Um, but, but others, uh, especially maybe who aren't as familiar with church world, sometimes they hear Baptist and it's a really negative thing. It has tones of like legalism or, or judgmentalism or it's very harsh or, or negative. Um, and I, I think it's important that we talk about, hey, what does it mean to be First Baptist Church? I think maybe for a lot of us, we wouldn't even really know like how to explain it. If someone were to ask you today, you know, like, what does it mean that you go to a Baptist church? Would we be able to articulate that? Um, and if not, that's not your fault because we don't talk about it a lot here, right? We don't like wave the Baptist flag super high, but it is important that we, that we know. Um, and so we'll talk about um, a few Baptist distinctives so that we know what it means that we're a Baptist church. Um, historically, there are a number of things that identify or mark Baptist. The first and probably the easiest to remember is that we practice believer's baptism. Okay, it's clear, simple, right? It's in the name, Baptist. We have a... a clear belief on what it means to be baptized. We believe that you should baptize uh, believers. Or once people have received the gospel and become a Christian, then we baptize them as this uh, step of faith, this response to what God has done in their life, as opposed to um, infant baptism or some church traditions, yeah, baptize babies, which clearly they can't make a profession of faith, but it's done in a way of this like future hope and they're belonging to the people of God. But we look to scripture and say, hey, when we see baptism practice in the New Testament, what do we see? Without exception, we see people who believe 
and respond to Jesus and are baptized. And so you look to the book of Acts, you see that people hear the gospel, respond, and they're baptized. Uh, or even when you look at the theology of baptism, look to Romans 6 or elsewhere and see what is baptism symbolizing? It's symbolizing the start of the Christian life, right? Death to new life, buried with Christ, uh, raised to new life in him. So when you believe and are united to Jesus, you experience this new resurrection life in him. That's what baptism demonstrates and pictures. And so we believe that we should practice baptism when that reality has taken place in someone's heart. So we practice um, believer's Baptism, And so if you were baptized as a baby but never as a believer, we encourage you here to take that step of baptism, to be baptized as a profession of faith. Now, you'll notice in our bylaws, baptism is not a requirement for membership, um, but we do encourage it and do want to have that conversation with you and help walk uh, with you through that conversation. So believer's baptism, big Baptist distinctive. Um, second, Baptists are for local church autonomy, meaning uh, each individual congregation, the members of the church and the leadership of the church have the right and responsibility to govern their own affairs. There's not like a regional bishop that we report to that I you know, have to give a report to. Um, there's not, again, a bishop or some higher up in the region that's gonna say, hey, Matt, we like you, you're doing great or whatever, uh, but we're gonna move you to Idaho because there's a church there, we need some help, and so sorry guys, but Matt's going, or maybe that'd be good news for some of you, I don't know, but no one can come in and do that and say, hey, we're gonna you know, move some things around. They can give counsel, um, our region, you know, GHC can give advice, encouragement, but ultimately it's up to us to make the decisions about how we're going to function. Um, so Baptist churches typically function somewhat independently, although we voluntarily associate with others, which, again, I think it's a strength. It's, it's good to function this way. Um, and yet we have to be aware that there's a shadow side. Sometimes in the Baptist movement there's isolationism and, and a strong, fierce, you know, kind of Western independence. Uh, we're going to do our own thing, which needs, we need to be careful that we don't get isolated and we don't, um, again, some churches kind of go off the rails and in a Baptist structure there's no, like, safeguard for that. You know, there's no people who can come in and really say, hey, we need to clean things up here. It's just, like, off the crazy church goes into the, you know, so... There, there's, a, there's danger, but also um, blessing. Um, third, as Baptists, we strongly believe in biblical authority. We're not the only ones who uphold the authority of Scripture, obviously. Um, and yet for Baptists, that's a really, really high value. The authority of Scripture, it's our, our final and ultimate authority because it's the Word of God. Um, and so Baptists typically, historically, lean less on creeds and on tradition than some movements would. Um, uh, the classic example of this is the practice of baptism itself, right? So some traditions like Catholicism or Anglicans um, will do infant baptism, and their arguments are partially in scripture. They'll try and make some biblical arguments to support it, but a lot of it is, hey, is tradition, looking at what the church has done for centuries, whereas Baptists were like, well, no, you look to the Bible, and how many instances of infant baptism do you see? Zero. So we're like, so we're not going to do that because the Bible is our authority, so we're going to do what the Bible tells us to do. So, and tradition, again, it's, it's tricky because then what happens, the shadow side of this is we can kind of devalue tradition sometimes or the wisdom of those who have gone before us. There's a lot of good in church history that we can learn from, but sometimes Baptists are a little bit um, to our fault would, would move away from that. But again, I think at its core, this is a good thing to be people of the book, 
right? To uphold the authority of scripture and let, let scripture be the authority for how we're going to function. Um, and then the last one I'll, I'll share, there's more, but the last one is really an emphasis on personal faith personal response in two ways, both access and ministry. So in Baptist movements, there's this strong emphasis on your relationship with Jesus, right? And so it's not just about you like jumping through some sacraments or hoops or something was done to you like when you were 12 or something, you know, something happened. Um, It's about your heart before the Lord now. Have you personally responded to Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? And you have access to God, not through a priest or through some kind of mediated uh, situation other than mediated by Christ himself. So through Jesus, you have access to the Father. You don't have to go through your pastor or through your priest to get to God. You can sit and, and commune with God, all of you, whoever has put their faith in Jesus. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, we also uh, view this in terms of ministry. Uh, we uphold, as First Peter teaches, the, uh, the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. So it's not as if there's like clergy and then there's laity and there's like the spiritual professionals like Matt or the pastor or the priest or whatever and then there's the rest of us who kind of try and figure it out. We all have this, uh, we're all empowered by the Holy Spirit, given gifts to serve the church, to be ministers, right, to serve God and reach the world with the gospel. That's uh, the responsibility of every follower of Jesus. So yes, there is a distinction between there are pastors pastors and staff at the church who have a specific role, and yet there's this almost a a leveling of the org org chart in terms of you all, the people of the church, all have the responsibility to follow Jesus um, and serve him. So there's a few more that we could speak to, but that's kind of the core distinctives. Um, And you might be hearing this, and maybe you come from like a non-denominational church background, and you're like, this sounds pretty similar to a non-denominational church. And that's true because the old joke is a non-denominational church is a Baptist church with a better website. (laughs) And so truly, uh, if you've seen non-denominational churches out there without any affiliations or ties, typically they're functioning in mostly a Baptist mindset in in some of these distinctives, very similar theology, um, and yet they're a little more... um, Culturally savvy, I suppose. So there you go. That's some Baptist distinctives. We can all go get our Baptist tattoos now with uh, Baptist and bold. Everyone feels good about that, right? Okay, great. On, onward. Just kidding. If you have questions, hey, we'd love to talk with you about concerns, reservations. If you have clarifying questions, we could totally talk more, but that's a bit there. Um, briefly, I want to talk about our, not just our affiliation and the Baptist movement, but also our leadership structure here, like how we are set up. Three main pieces of our polity or our organizational structure. The first is the congregation. Not going to talk a lot about this because in week one we talked a lot about this, that the members of the church have a say, a voice, a direct, uh, into the direction of the church. Right? So you express that authority as a gathered membership at our annual meeting when certain things have to go to a vote, the annual budget, direction for ministry, hiring a senior pastor, approving board members, that all comes to uh, the congregation. And so the highest human authority under Jesus is uh, not the pastor, not the board of directors, it's actually it's the congregation. So um, that's a bit of how we're set up. But then we do have the board of directors, one kind of central leadership team uh, where directors serve the church by, again, meeting regularly with, with me. Um, and they give input and oversight in the direction of the church. They give wise counsel and direction. 
They hold responsibility as part of our nonprofit 501c3 status. They are models and examples of godliness uh, and commitment to Christ before the congregation. They pray for our church and serve our church in a number of ways. Um, currently, we have five board members. Steve Fretwell is the chair of our board. We have, whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Carlene Hunt, Wendy Young, and brother Ryan Habegger, and myself. That's the five of us. Um, Potential board members are identified by the current board and by, by me, and then in order to become a board member, they have to be, again, approved by the congregation. You would vote at our annual meeting to have them join the board. Uh, men and women serve on our board. Historically, the board was referred to as a deacon board, uh, but they play a key leadership role in the life of our church, um, and I really, really can't say enough good things about this team. Steve. Carlene, Wendy, Ryan, um, they have led us through some really challenging seasons here as a church in a few ways. First, I don't know, I don't think they really knew exactly what they were signing up for when they stepped on the board with a first-time lead pastor, young and uh, new to ministry, because let me tell you, there's been some growing pains. Uh, there's been some things I've had to learn the hard way, and the board has provided a incredibly stable and godly and wise and mature leadership and counsel for our church to move forward. And I truly, from the bottom of my heart, am grateful for them. They led us through this thing called a pandemic, <laughs> which was the wildest leadership season I've ever seen. They've led us through multiple uh, staff transitions and challenges that come with that, adding staff, staff that have left. There's a lot that goes into leadership there. Um, it's been really difficult, and they um, have not only met monthly, we have board meetings each month, uh, but also there have been a number of, or of extra meetings to either address staff matters or planning for membership things coming up, that in addition to that monthly meeting, on top of their other jobs and all the other things they're doing, they're having extra meetings uh, over the years. There's been a lot of that. And it's all volunteer, right? It's not a paid position to be on the board. And so truly, um, I'm just deeply grateful to those men and women and to partner with them in ministry. And I just hope that if you see them after service today, give them a hug, kiss on the cheek if it's appropriate, and um, just, just thank them for, for who they are and how they lead. Um, so that's our board. Then we also have uh, the pastors and staff then. So congregation, board, and then the pastors and staff where um, under the authority of the congregation, the staff, um, has been entrusted with the ability to make a lot of decisions about day-to-day uh, -day nuts and bolts, programs and events and ministries and all the things that you see kind of week to week. A lot of that is run by uh, the staff. Uh, myself and Ian as full-time pastors, but then Darren and Janice and Wendy and Ryan and Carlene and then countless um, volunteer leaders that serve and work with the staff uh, to make the ministry of the church happen. There's simply too many to list and name, but as I look out and see so many of you, I see how many of you serve and lead and contribute to the direction of the church. Um, so, congregation, board, pastors and staff. It's kind of the three-headed three snake, you could say here, um, of our 
church. Uh, and the board did want me to let you know that they wanted to be able to hear from you and wanted lines of communication to be open. So we created a new email address where you can just direct all your, uh, any criticism, complaints, concerns, um, just things you want to challenge us on. Like, please be verbose and long-winded. We have the new email up there. It's really, this is where all of it can be directed. <laughs> That's where you let us know. Just let us have it at that email address, please. Um, Air the grievances. Don't hold back. All funneled there. That's our complaint email we set up. Um, (laughs) No, um, we love you, Darren. Um, In all seriousness, though, uh, we do want to hear from you. And so in the the membership packet that you also received, there's some extras on the back table if you didn't get one. Um, We have all of our contact information for the board, for the staff. Um, on our website, the contact information is there. Truly, we would love to hear from you. If you have questions, concerns, things about theology or things about how to get involved or various ministries or wanting to start new ministries, whatever it might be, come to us. We'd love to talk with you. Um, and now I want to look briefly at our statement of faith. It's in the membership packet. It's on our website. I want to read through some of it. Not all of it, but I want to read through part of it just to give you a feel for how it's laid out. I encourage you to go back on your own time and read through it uh, at length. But here it is. And actually, um, you'll notice one of the points I'm going to read didn't end up in the membership packet. In the copy and paste, it accidentally got deleted. So that wasn't like, you know, I wasn't pretending to be the Pope and just cutting something out on my own. Um, That was an accident. So if you go to our website, um, you'll see the full statement. One of these that I'm about to read got cut out. Again, apologies, that was an accident. It truly belongs in there. So uh, with this, let's, let's read. It says, the Bible is God's unique revelation to people. It's the inspired, unfailing word of God and the supreme and final authority on all matters upon which it teaches. No other writings have such divine authority. There's only one God, creator of heaven and earth, who exists eternally as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each is fully God, yet each is personally distinct from one another. Next, and this is the one that's going to be on the screen, but it's, it's got deleted from the packet, but trust me, it, it belongs in there. Um, all people are created in God's image and are loved by him. The main message of the Bible is that God loves people and invites them to live in communion with himself and in community with each other. And apart from Jesus Christ, all people are spiritually lost and because of sin deserve the judgment of God. However, God gives salvation and eternal life to anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice on his or her behalf. Salvation cannot be earned through personal goodness or human effort. It is a gift that must be received by humble repentance and faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. And then Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless human life, willingly took upon himself all of our sins, died, rose again bodily, and is at the right hand of the Father as our advocate and mediator. He will return to complete history and to fulfill the eternal plan of God. So again, on your own time, you could read the rest. It goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, eternity, the church, and so on. Uh, But I just want to point out a few things about our approach. Again, I, I didn't write this. The current team didn't write this. I'm not actually sure who did or how long it's been in our bylaws, but those who have gone before us have laid this out, and I think they did a good job uh, of writing our statement of faith. First thing I want you to notice is that it really majors on the majors. Okay, it's a pretty short doctrinal statement um, when you compare to maybe some other churches. Seriously, some churches have like 12 
pages or even dozens of pages to their doctrinal statement where they'll get into all the finer points of theology and say, hey, here's what our church believes about all of these things. And in order to be a member here, you have to sign off on every one of them. And it's a pretty long list. Um, here, you notice our statement is pretty short. We want to uh, major on the majors and make sure that, yeah, we do all agree on the essentials of the faith, the core non-negotiables of the faith, but there are going to be some things, and even as you heard that, that aren't specifically mentioned in the doctrinal statement, some secondary issues or some third-tier issues that we can agree to disagree upon. And so I, I like the emphasis on the essentials, of course. Notice in there is the doctrine of the Trinity, Right? We worship one God who eternally exists in Father, uh, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a non-negotiable, right? To, to be uh, uh, how we understand what it means to be a Christian is we're Trinitarian. That's a non-negotiable. And so if you come and say, well, actually, Jesus wasn't God. I don't believe in the deity of Christ. I don't believe in the Trinity. Then um, that might lead you to maybe go join a Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witnesses. But that would be a barrier to belonging here because we are unapologetically Trinitarian and uphold that key historic doctrine. Uh, similarly, Christology, the, the deity of Christ. Um, the doctrine of scripture and the authority of scripture. Uh, humanity being created in God's image. Uh, the doctrine of sin. Uh, the reality of judgment. The way of salvation being through faith in Jesus and him being the only way to salvation. We unapologetically hold to the essentials and expect the members of the church to hold to these core doctrines. At the same time, you notice, there is a spirit of charity on the non-essentials. There are some things not mentioned in our doctrinal statement. For example, this is where it could be fun or scary for you, I don't know. Here, think about this. Um, the doctrinal statement is clear that God is the creator of heaven and earth, amen? amen. Who created everything? God did, right? We are clear on that. However, the doctrinal statement, you notice, doesn't define when God did that or how God did that or how long God took to do that or the exact uh, metaphysics of it all, right? And there's an in-house debate, actually, when you look at the first few chapters of Genesis about how all of that unfolded, how all of that took place. And so we're saying, hey, it's imperative that at FBC we affirm that God is the creator of heaven and earth. And we can have some disagreement on the exactly when and how of all of that. We can have some, some spirited, even passionate debate amongst brothers and sisters in fellowship, but that's not going to be one of the issues that causes us to break fellowship. Does that make sense? There's room for us to be in fellowship together but have differing views on that topic. Similarly, notice the statement that says, salvation and eternal life is given to anyone who trusts in Jesus. Salvation is a gift, right, received by repentance and faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's the core of the gospel message, that we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. And there have been centuries and centuries of debate in the Christian world as to exactly how someone comes to the point of believing in Jesus. How does salvation and the sovereignty of God and the free will of human beings all relate? And there's groups of people known as Calvinists and Arminians that see it very differently as to how someone comes to salvation, how someone reaches the point of trusting in Jesus. And you notice our doctrinal statement doesn't pick a side. It says you're saved, 
when you trust in Jesus, but it doesn't say exactly how that happens. And so, at FBC, there's room for you to be a Calvinist, and there's room for you to be an Arminian, and there's room for you to be here if you don't know what either of those words mean. (laughs) And again, this isn't to say that that debate isn't important. It is, and I have my opinions on it. I'm in the Calvinist camp unapologetically, and I'll tell you why as we come through in the text and preach up here. but it just means that there's still room for fellowship even if you're gonna see that differently. Or one more, uh, again, the statement of faith says Jesus will return, amen? He's coming back. But there's different views in Christianity about exactly when and how and what has to happen before he comes back. And so you might be a premillennialist or an amillennialist or a postmillennialist or again, not know what any of those words mean. And and there's room for that, for us to spiritedly debate and talk and learn from one another, but that's not gonna be one of the the doctrines that causes us to break fellowship. Okay, we have to agree that Jesus is coming back, but within that, there's some room to debate the finer points of that. Does does this make make sense? Uh, The theme is to major on the majors. Again, not to say don't talk about those things, not to say don't have your opinions, let's Talk passionately and have your convictions. It's just saying we're not going to break fellowship over it. Now, some hear this and, again, appreciate that approach. Maybe some of you are nodding along, like, right on. I like it. Major on the majors. Uh, You know, hold to the essentials. Charity on the non-essentials. But some of you, I don't know, maybe you're a little uncomfortable right now. Because some of us have a little bit of a lower comfort level and less room for ambiguity. Right? Some of us would maybe prefer to be at a church that has like the 24-page doctrinal statement. And they know. I know where everybody stands on all these issues. And um, so I just wanted to be clear. That's, that's who we are. And if you're uncomfortable with that, that's okay. I understand. Um, I see why that might be the case. We'd love to have conversation and dialogue and talk with any questions that you have. But just wanted you to know that's, that's going to be our approach here. Now, the plumb lines are listed in the statement of faith. Plumb lines are like that little like string and there's like a ball attached that like helps. It's an it's a architectural term, right? It's like keeping, th- you know, you know, yeah. So the main idea is these are statements and distinctives that keep us on the right track. Um, that's what these plumb lines and distinctives are about. I'm not going to read through all of them. You can look at them. But uh, the key I just want to point out is the gospel centrality and the good news over good advice. And we just want to be clear. I want you to know as a church, you can expect to hear the gospel clearly preached. That yes, you need to know what to do and how to live and what God commands and expects of each of us. Uh, but even before that, you need to know what God has done for you how Jesus has saved you. And so we want to proclaim the good news, whether it's in, on this stage, whether it's in our kids' ministry, whether, whether it's in our, our youth ministry, we want it to be clear, here's what Jesus has done for you. Here's how much God has loved you. And so yes, there's things that we are to do, but first we want you to hear what God has done. And Jesus is the hero of the story. And so we're going to lift him up and we're going to make much of him. And as we do that, he's going to draw us and convict us and teach us and shape us to follow him. But we just want to be clear that that we really want to put the gospel front and center in everything that we do. So with that, um, we kind of come to the end of our three-week membership class experience here. And uh, what's next is an opportunity for you to respond for you to respond to all that you've heard. Uh, The next step in this process is you'll notice at the back of the membership packet is a little three-page deal called a membership affirmation. 
This is where we invite you to, to fill this out and affirm and commit to being a member of this church. Now, remember back in, actually, excuse me, before I say that, there's a hard copy in the membership packet. You all have that. However, this week, we're going to send out a electronic fillable form. So if you're like, I don't want to sit and like write out by hand all my thoughts and answers to this, um, you can do that digitally. So we'll send out the link this week. But we wanted you to have the hard copy in, in the case that you wanted to fill it out that way. And you can, of course, take it with you. Again, we have some extras in the back if you still need them. Um, now, remember back in week one, we talked about the qualifications for membership. Who is qualified to become a member of this church? And we listed two things. There's only two things on the list. The first was a personal confession of faith in Jesus and commitment to obey him as Lord. So part one, if you are a Christian, that's the first question. Uh, and second is a commitment to participate in the life of this church. So a profession of faith, declaring that you are a follower of Jesus, and a commitment to participate in the life of this church. Those are the two things our bylaws state as required for membership. Now the question of course then is, be, is how does one make that commitment? How does one make that profession? How do we know who is saying yes to that? Like, is it just like, you know, you wink at the pastor right now and I'll write all your names down? Or is it like, you know, you raise a hand or whatever? And so the affirmation document is the how. That's the tool, the mechanism that we're going to use that allows you to respond and say, yes, I'm walking with Jesus and here's a bit of my story. And yes, I'm in, I'm here, I'm going to sign on the dotted line. So that affirmation document is the how. Now, it might be a little bit intimidating for some of us. For some of you, you're like, this is no problem. I've already filled it out. Um, but for some, maybe it's, it's a little scary or you, you're wondering about what this is going to mean. Am I going to be, you know, like scrutinized and are the pastors going to come after me if I say something wrong? And, and we just want you to know that our heart behind this is, is one, to get to know you Right, just to know a bit more about your story, to know how we can encourage you, how we can follow up with you, how, what gifts you have, how you'd want to serve and be utilized in the church. That's really helpful for us to know. Um, it's helpful for us to know your story. And also this uh, could prompt, hopefully, some helpful conversation. Right, on there is a question about baptism. Again, it's not required to be a member. Or, uh, baptism isn't a requirement for membership, but if you haven't been baptized, and we believe strongly in that practice, so we would love to talk with you about that and understand your understanding of baptism and, and walk through that with you. Um, similarly, again, ways to serve in the church. Um, we're also simply understanding the gospel. Right? We would love, if there's a lack of clarity on what exactly it means to be a Christian, we would love to be able to walk through that with you. Um, sometimes, again, heard, heard stories and read about membership processes in churches, and sometimes people will fill out like a membership document, and they'll say, it'll say like, hey, how, tell us about your story or how you know you're a Christian, and they'll write something in there that's, that shows that, like, oh, I don't know if they understand the gospel. Like, they'll say something about, you know, I go to heaven because I'm a good person and do enough good works, and, and the, the, the good scales outweigh the bad, and so God's, you know, approving of me. And I'm just thinking, man, pastorally, it would break my heart if someone was here in our church and had that understanding of salvation, had just like a legalism, a, a law, and they, they didn't truly understand uh, what Jesus has done for them. 
And so if that's the case, that's not like a, hey, poo-poo on you. It's a chance to, hey, I would love to just talk with you about faith and about the gospel and walk through that with you. So this is all coming from a pastoral heart, a desire to love you, shepherd you, care for you. Um, So this is a tool to help us do that. Um, And a reminder that we're, we're asking everybody to do this. Um, not, not just like, hey, if you're new in the past few months or in the past year or two, but, but everyone. Mike Palmer, this means you, brother. This means you, too. And D-Shack and Mama Shack. And uh, we're really, we want everybody to, to do this together because we think there's strength in, in saying, hey, uh, as a church family, we are all in recommitting to what God is doing here. Uh, and we want to lean in together. So um, we're asking everyone to do that. And here's the deal. It's probably going to take a few minutes to fill it out. So you don't have to do it today. In fact, it's probably better if you don't do it today. Um, if you do fill it out today and you're like, you can hand it to me. But we're going to have a, a way in the back starting next week to receive those hard copy documents and an uh, envelope to put them in. Um, only the pastors and the board are going to see those. So you might be wondering, like, is this going to be like posted on Facebook and, you know, sent out on Twitter. No, it's for us internally to see and follow up. And um, we love, again, hopefully this is a really encouraging step for you that we can, again, receive it and respond to you. Hey, we, we got your membership affirmation and we are so glad that you are here and to be in partnership and ministry with you. And we just want to celebrate you. We hope it'll be a really encouraging step for you. Um, I will say this though, that again, we're leading up to our annual meeting in January. So we really want to clarify membership so that when we go to a vote in January about the budget and about whatever future direction in ministry and things are, are, are coming up, that you would know who's voting. You know if you're able to vote. So we want to get, that's why we're doing this now rather than in January. And so our ask, we would love it if you're taking this step, you could return that form by the end of November. That would be great. Like got a few weeks, and then we'd be able to receive those and just make get it all, everything cleared up by January. Though if you're like, wow, that's short notice, or you're a procrastinator, or whatever, um, we really, really like them at least by the end of the year. Okay, so end of the calendar year at the latest. But please, um, you know, maybe Darren will give you a candy bar or something if you do it by the end of November. That would be great. Um, so does that make sense? Okay, great. Also, here's the deal. Um, Usually with a membership class like this, it's a, a much smaller group. You know, usually a membership isn't like 150 people all at once. Here we go. Um, it'll be, you know, eight of us or whatever. And so usually there's a lot more room for dialogue and for questions and clarifications. And so maybe along this process for three weeks, you've had a lot of questions or like, wait, what about this? Or this part isn't clear. Or you have a unique situation and you're wondering, well, what, in this instance, what, what should I do about this? Um, if you have those questions, we would love to talk with you about them. Um, and so for the next few weeks, just after the service, uh, I'm going to be up front and um, available. If you wanted to reach out to a board member or to a pastor and, and talk about any parts of the membership process that are unclear, you can reach out via email. We could set up a meeting with you. Again, probably the easiest, though, is just, hey, come on up front after the service for a few weeks here. We'll be available and would love to talk through that with you. We genuinely, genuinely, genuinely want to hear from you and want to talk about any reservations you might have or want to hear any clarifications that you might be wondering about. So please come talk to us. The last reminder I'll say is that um, if you're like on the fence about this or you're not sure this is for you, um, we understand and want there to be space for that. And we're not gonna like 
start checking membership cards at the door, like Costco. You know, be like, before you come into worship, show us the card. Um, no, our doors are going to be open. Our arms are going to be open to whoever comes through our doors, whether you sign the membership document or not, neighbors, friends, everybody. Hey, it's going to be simple as it always has been. Come on in. Um, but we're simply trying to clarify that once people are here and want to belong here and want to be a part of what God is doing here and want to be a part of the decision-making in the future and so on, that we'd have a process, a clear mechanism of membership to allow them to take that step. So that's a bit of the heart here. Again, probably a lot of unanswered questions. Come talk to me. But now, as we always do uh, on the first and third Sundays, we're going to have a chance just to take communion together because I know some of this has felt dry and some of this has felt kind of nuts and bolts and, and, you know, packets and documents and all of that. But we really want to get to the heart of what it is that unites us. And it's Jesus, right? It's the blood of Christ that makes us believers, that brings us into the family of God. And so we want to make sure not to miss the heart of all of this, that we're going to worship God together. And communion is that opportunity to come to the table, to take the elements and remember uh, the basics of our faith, that we needed a Savior. And Jesus came and he died for us and he rose again. And so we hope that you got the elements when you came in. If you don't, Darren has some. You make sure you have one of these. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll take the elements together, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross. You died for us. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed in our place for our sins to forgive us. Thank you for your great love that you wanted to bring us back into your family and unite us to you forever. And so we pray, Lord, that as as a church family, we can celebrate this moment with great joy how you have saved us, our shared faith and commitment to you, Jesus. We remember you together. In your name we pray. Amen. And he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen.